Welcome to How to Feel. I'm Anastasia Holland, and these are words and stories on what it feels like to be human. Hey, hey, welcome to episode three, How to Feel Heartbreak with author, certified breathwork facilitator, and mentor, Michelle Diavella. I'm super excited about this episode because it is something that is super personal for me and has been a huge part of my journey. My friends often joke that I have been heartbroken since I was 14, but not anymore. I'm now in a really loving relationship that is amazing and um, I don't think I'll be heartbroken again for a very long time and I'm really thankful for that. But I've spent a lot of days heartbroken (laughs) and a lot of days grieving others who I can no longer be in relationship with. And in 2017, I experienced a seriously real heartbreak after ending a five-year on and off again relationship. It was the kind of heartbreak that swallowed me whole and left me in a pit of my own grief. It can be really confusing grieving someone who is still alive missing someone who is still out there and having all of the visceral and emotional reactions to this. We can often think like, why am I feeling so bad for just going through a heartbreak? But I don't think it's just going through a heartbreak. I think a heartbreak can be a profound and transformative and really difficult experience. It was that exact heartbreak that launched me straight toward my soul, myself, my trauma, my desires, my truth. It was the heartbreak that I declared that I was no longer going to date unavailable men. And I got really clear on what I wanted in relationship. And I got really clear on what I needed to heal to be in that relationship. You could say that heartbreak is what led me to where I am right now. In the thick of all of it, I found a book that I read in one sitting. The Bright Side of a Broken Heart by Michelle Diavella. Her words normalized everything I was going through. She captured my broken heart in her pages and she never let go or gave it up on me or herself. I knew that when I created How to Feel, I had to have a heartbreak episode because it's been so much a part of my experience in my life. And I knew that I had to have Michelle on to talk about it. Out of all the heartbreak things I've read and watched and listened to, Michelle's book is my favorite, and she's also just an awesome person full of wisdom. Michelle is an author, certified breathwork facilitator, and mentor. She helps clients transform painful experiences into valuable life lessons and create sustainable change through inner exploration, processing repressed emotions, and somatic release. Michelle is an advocate for reclaiming your power, showing up for yourself, and honoring the healing process. She has been featured in Forbes, W Magazine, My Domain, and more. You can learn more about Michelle and her work at pushingbeauty.com. My intention with this episode, How to Feel Heartbreak, is to normalize the range of emotions and experience that come with heartbreak, and to maybe, if you're heartbroken right now, give you some hope for your journey. Michelle certainly did that for me, and I think her story and words will do the same for you. 
So without further ado, I give you my interview, How to Feel Heartbreak with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So the reason I wanted to have you come on on the heartbreak episode is because in 2017, I found your book when I was going through a really hard breakup and it really validated so much of my experience just because of the emotional range that it captured. And I'm curious if you could just share with us like what led you to writing that book and why you wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always written to process life. So it's just anytime I've been in pain or confused about things since I was really young, I would just naturally write to make sense of things. And um, yeah, I went through a blindsiding breakup. I was really devastated, totally unexpected, obviously. And um, I had already been like working with clients and, and helping people. And so there was sort of this part of me that was like, oh, this is really good material, like observe your experience. Um, and so from the moment that uh, the breakup happened, I was starting to actually write, like I pulled my laptop into the bathroom the moment after he left and was like crying on the floor and just like writing about what my experience was like. And it was very interesting because there was a part of me, a very large part of me that was like deeply, deeply grieving. And then there was this other part of me that was observing the experience of me grieving and recognizing what was happening and um, trying to make sense of like this new thing that my life now was. Um, and so I actually really didn't have any intention of writing the book from the moment. I was just sort of like, you know, maybe I should write this down and this might be useful for some people going through this at some point in their lives. And that eventually turned into like a little small series called The Heartbreak Diaries. Um, but I just started to document and then maybe, I don't know, six to eight months later, um, I was doing a breathwork session in my family's cabin in upstate New York or near upstate New York. And, um, the, the book just came through. It was like, this is like the first chapter. I started writing it in my phone and it just came out like over a week period of time and then crafted it over, um, the next couple of months, but it really felt like a very clear download from everything I had processed over that year. Um, and then decided like, all right, this is something I'm going to share. Uh, and then went through my own experience of like, I don't want to write this book. And this isn't the book that I want to write. And like, you know, does anybody really want to read about this? But it was more of a, a soul calling of like, this is actually what needs to come through you and then worry about that other stuff later. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Um, like I mentioned before, one of the things I love about it is the emotional range. Like there's one section where you're in so much grief and then there's joy and then there's like traveling back to inner child, Michelle, and all these different like range of experience for a heartbreak. And I think in our culture, there's, we kind of just have a very narrow lens of what heartbreak is. And so I'm just curious if you could speak to that range of emotional experience and is that is something is that something you thought about when you wrote the book or was that kind of just naturally come through yeah it's interesting because the book wasn't at all um like i'm gonna paint the picture to be like this it yeah. was very much a deep processing of like this it, and it's sort of poetic and and visual like that's the way that i sort of relate to life and so these these visuals were coming in of stories of you know this 
this cow that a calf had been taken from her and like that that deep pain it was like you know me relating to um, my heartbreak in a sense and me actually uh, processing what I was actually feeling um, so I think the beginning part was like specifically about the fact that I was heartbroken from somebody I really loved suddenly leaving and not really giving me any anything any information and I was trying to make sense of that and then make sense of my own pain in relationship to that and then as I continued to write I was digging deeper into like well what is this pain really about because there's a lot of other stuff going on here that isn't entirely related to this person and so I would just spend like weekends um digging deeper into that like what does this pain feel related to and i would just write and write and write and sob in my kitchen and then write some more and then sob in my kitchen and um i think all of the layers when you get deep enough into grief it's sort of like um, maniacal in a sense where like you can be like laughing and sobbing and like you know you feel sort of um like all of the emotions that exist are in your body in that moment when you when you're willing to go deep enough into it yeah yeah and I would like you to speak a little bit on heartbreak being a valid place for that much grief to come up because I kind of feel like another thing in our culture is like, oh, heartbreak isn't the same as death. It's not, you know, you just get over it. You move on. Like you, you get back out there. And that wasn't my experience. <laughs> I don't think it was yours. No, so. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing because people can sort of like poo poo being heartbroken. It's yeah. like, you know, oh, you'll get over it, you know, eat some ice cream, go out with some friends and like go back on a dating site. Um, I've had different experiences of heartbreak at different times. This one was like very specific. Um, I think that there's times where we can um, choose to go into the depth of our heartbreak and maybe we don't choose to, uh, this one, I had no choice. It was just like, here yeah. you go, this, you're going to actually confront everything. Um, and I, and I had some really good people in my life who were able to validate my pain as well and acknowledge that in a lot of ways, you know, heartbreak can be worse than death and that there's a personal element to it. You know, there's the sense of rejection when somebody leaves you, they're saying like, no, I don't want you, you know, the book goes in more in depth of like, it's not really about that, but there is a layer of that. And that's a part of what's so painful. It's like, this person doesn't actually think that I'm worth sticking around. I'm worth like, you know, communicating with, or, you know, making, um, making this work, like trying, you know, trying a little bit. Um, and so if somebody suddenly passes, you know, you still preserve that love and that connection and it's not personal. Um, so, I, and then the other part of it is that heartbreak leads us into so much more information about ourselves. It teaches us about like the wounds we're actually carrying. It teaches us the beliefs that we um, have a hold about ourselves. So there's actually a lot of depth, um, uh, and wisdom that can come through processing our pain through a heartbreaking experience. Yeah, it's one thing I love that you write in your book pretty frequently is is that it being a gift and it being the space where you found yourself. And um, I think that rejection in the beginning, we kind of try to keep seeking out that person to tell us like, oh no, it's you're not rejected, but you have this beautiful scene in the book where you write a letter to him and he doesn't write back. And then it's like, oh, I can't search for closure other than within. 
And um, would you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's a really common feeling to kind of look outside to make that feeling go away. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a lot of breakups where, I mean, I think all my breakups, I wanted to reconcile with the person. Like I wanted us both to be on the same page. Most of my relationships, this was the first blindsided breakup. Most of my relationships ended because it was like, this is clearly not working. And I was the one who usually ended them because I'm like, all right, we've tried everything and you're not willing to leave. So like, I'm going to have to. And then still I would try to like have these conversations with the person um, where we could be on the same page and both say, okay, this really isn't working. I love you. I respect you, but let's go our separate ways. And I never, ever got that. No. <laughs> I never had the person be able to like, you know, hold that space together, um, which I think a lot of people experience, you know, it's, it's very challenging. You have to actually be willing to be in your pain and hold like the position of love and respect for one another and not make one another wrong and really listen to one another. And it's, a very evolved, I think, relationship that maybe a lot of us end up having. Um, and so I, I had always had this sort of thing happen where I had to process letting go and then the person would come back around maybe a year or two later and like reach out and say, I'm sorry or whatever. And like at that point didn't really mean anything because I had already resolved it within myself. So I, with this breakup happening, I knew that, um, that I didn't really need him to actually give me closure. Um, and I also knew that he didn't really have the capacity, like the way that he left showed me a lot about what he was capable of. Um, you know, he didn't really understand even why he was leaving. And so there was nothing that he could actually give me. Um, but of course, when we're grieving, you know, like I went back and forth with myself a lot, like I'm going to write, the, I would write him letters and then delete them. I would write him letters and then not send them. Um, and then I don't even remember the one I wrote about in the book. I think it was one I had seen him in a yoga studio and I was like so angry that he acted like everything was all good and he just wanted to come over and talk to me. And I was so deeply grieving six months after the breakup. And it was like this, it felt so like disrespectful to me. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to tell him everything that I'm feeling. And I did. And I, I said everything possible. Um, and uh, and, and then I sent it and I never heard from him again. I've, I've never communicated with him again, actually, since that letter. Um, and it taught me a lot, you know, it taught me, I don't think I would ever do that again. I don't think there's any right and wrong when it comes to, you know, processing these things and re relating to one another. I think some, for some people like saying what you need to say can be really powerful and really important and it can create a sense of healing and closure within yourself. Um, for me, it left a little bit of a residue of like, Ooh, is he going to respond? Is he going to respond? Like, you know, checking the emails. And then I had some guilt that I had to process afterwards of saying some hurtful things, yeah. um, that I didn't really mean. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to continue to open the door with him. Like I didn't reach out again and say, Oh, and no, I'm sorry that I said, whatever I said, I just sort of let it be what it was. And the lesson I took from it was like, I didn't actually really need to do that. It was fueled from my anger. Um, and then just intuitively knowing, you know, that like he was carrying guilt and shame for the way that he left. And that's something that he has to process in his own time and has nothing to do really with um, us processing it together. That's kind of like our separate ways. Once we went our separate ways, you know, we're each processing our own thing in the way that we handled the ending of the relationship. Totally. Yeah, I think 
You know, when I read that letter part in your book, I had just written an angry letter and sent it and not heard anything back. And I also went through a similar process as you after, but it was reading it and just being like, oh, this is normal to do this. And it's normal to also say hurtful things and then feel guilty about it. And it's normal to do whatever you need to do because you're just trying to figure it out, you know? And so I loved you speaking to that. So. I want to talk about like reclaiming the parts of yourself because I feel like that's really what the book is about. Like that's the bright side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, you say something, where's the quote? I have it written down. Um, it says, now I know I had to lose him to find myself. Mm-hmm. And what was your process to coming to that knowing? And where are you now with it too? It's funny that you pulled that out because I'm literally in the process of creating a course called Reclamation. That's all about, yeah, I mean that it's such a powerful thing um, to come to come to recognize through a breakup. Um, But yeah, I, I really had a hard time um, hiding anything from myself. You know, it was really an experience of like, being incredibly raw and vulnerable. And I had a moment with him where uh, we broke up and then um, there was a possibility sort of us maybe coming back together. And, and I sort of knew it wasn't going to happen. And he came over and laid in bed with me and I was, I was sobbing hysterically and just saying all this stuff that it was almost like I didn't know what I was saying, but I remember some of the things I was saying was like, I'm afraid I'm going to get cancer because I have like all of these unprocessed emotions and I've been lying to myself my whole life. And, you know, I really feel super like weak and vulnerable and I was putting on this act with you in a lot of ways. And so it was me like being in so much grief that all of the truth was beginning to surface. I couldn't really hide from it anymore because um, I just, I didn't have any energy for it. I was, I was so, I mean, I fell into a very deep depression and was like, I would say on the brink of being suicidal without actually seriously contemplating suicide, but I very did, did not want to live. I did not want to live. I had no energy. I didn't really want to be eating food or really doing anything. And so I think when you're in that space, it's just like, you know, I was laying in bed, just kind of like observing myself and observing my life and seeing the truth about what I believed about myself. And eventually over time, as I began to like gain more strength and um, just find any semblance of like self-love and compassion for myself and really nurturing myself, I started to get curious about well, like, this actually has nothing to do with this person. Like I had a vision actually laying in bed where I imagined that like, he, it was like years later and he was like, you know, moved on with his life and happy and maybe like married and had kids. And I was just like still there. Right. It was like a very dramatic <laughs> vision, but I was just there. Like, this is up to me. Um, it's only up to me. And, and am I really willing to look at the truth about myself? And that began the process of, of sitting down and writing and exploring well, what is it that you really believe? Like, where did these beliefs come from? And some memories started to surface for me when I was younger um, about the beliefs that I carried about myself, the beliefs that I carried about um, partnership. And as I began to explore that, I started to recognize that Um, I had actually abandoned uh, parts of myself along the way in order to receive love. You know, and this happens to all of us. We learn, okay, this gets me love or this doesn't get me love. And then I saw the things that don't get me love and I hid those things away. 
Um, and I didn't realize how much I had done that um, and how deeply I was hiding from myself and then obviously from partners and um, how painful. I, I actually talk a lot about this still with clients that like, I think one of the most heartbreaking experiences on the healing journey is when we recognize all the times we've abandoned ourselves. Yeah, totally. And I also think that we seek out partners that can like that have these parts already activated within themselves like they're a full expression of something and we're like oh you'll give that to me because you're it you know and then them leaving is like wait this part needs something you know that's beautiful i actually haven't thought about that before but that's really spot on yeah Yeah. it's like i i can't get that within myself i haven't reactivated that within myself so i need you to give it to me yeah yeah and so what you know, you've talked a little bit about, or a lot, a bit about like what that looked like of reclaiming parts of yourself. And there's all these different things that we can do to, to start to have a relationship with these different parts. But for those listening and they're like, oh, I have parts that need attention, but like, what do I do about this? Or where do I start? What worked for you? And what, what are kind of some key practices or any advice you have on that? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So Breathwork has been my primary healing modality. I facilitate that work and I've been using it for over six years. And so I was working with that. Um, But really it's as simple as um, honoring and listening to all the parts of yourself that have been abandoned. So I would really just like, you know, feel into, I wasn't, I mean, it's inner child work. I wasn't like actively doing it. It was very intuitive. So I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to sit down and feel into my six-year-old. Um, which can be a really powerful practice. But for me, it was more of as I began to write and um, bear witness to the parts of myself that were in pain. I mean, I literally would like walk to the mirror with the little energy I had, look into my own eyes and just tell myself that I loved myself, that I was here. Like it was very simple, nurturing, mothering myself. Um, and I think that what we actually have to do to reclaim these parts of ourselves is just listen to them. Like, and these parts of ourselves are in a great deal of pain from, um, you know, I always had this vision of like, that there was like, there were parts of me that were kind of like screaming for my attention throughout my whole life. And like, how many times did I turn my back on those parts of myself? How many times did I like, you know, like stuff a sock in the, in the mouth of the, the five-year-old, the 15-year-old or whatever, Um, And so for me, I would use breath work as a practice to get myself out of my head enough to really feel those parts of myself and then to honor the pain. And usually that was um, grieving deeply. So like letting that part of myself sob for as long as I needed to. And that was a really big part of the healing journey for me was coming to terms with you're going to cry until you don't need to cry anymore. And that's just what it is, even if it's years. And, um, and then also letting the parts of myself that were really pissed off be expressed and like, you know, have little temper tantrums in my bedroom and like punch my mattress and scream into pillows and, um, really let myself process the parts of me that were not happy with me and were not happy with the way that my life had turned out. 
um, and were deeply um, sad about, you know, being unheard for that long. And maybe even like being at a place of I was in my 30s, I was in my early 30s when this breakup had happened. And, you know, what also came through was like all of the fear that I had carried through my life that I would be alone forever, mm -hmm. um, that nobody could ever really love me and love all these parts of me. And of course, you know, I had to look at the truth that I wasn't willing to love those parts of me. Totally. Yeah. What has happened as a result of reclaiming all of these parts? <laughs> like the good stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think a lot stuff. of people are like, okay, I got to reclaim my parts, but like, oh, what's going to happen yeah. to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the reality is that it's really hard. It's a really hard journey. And I'm not going to deny that, you know, like being with our pain is one of the most challenging things that we can do which is one of the reasons, excuse me, that I love the name of this podcast, you know, how to feel. It's so important to learn to be with our emotions. Um, and so for me, you know, I really had to um, get to this place of um, allowing all of the truth to surface. And then as I bit by bit reclaimed each part of myself, things changed. They typically changed um, for me where I was at at that time. So it's going to be different for each person on their journey. But like coming from, I basically was like at the bottom, you know, um, it took a long time for me to get to a place where I started to feel okay again. But then the journey out sort of like, you know, I kind of use the metaphor of like being in a cave and like mining and like digging really deep and pulling up these like little nuggets of gold. Um, each time I did that, I became more aligned with who I actually am, um, who I actually came here to be, who I, you know, who I was when I was born. Um, and through that process, I also like, you know, felt more whole and I felt like I didn't really have to hide anything anymore. So I had eventually, as I healed, I had more access to my own energy. So it really taught me how much energy I was spending um, hiding from parts of myself and um, trying to be somebody that I wanted to be instead of just being me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, learning that it's safe to be who we are. And, um, and a lot of, you know, perks come with it. I felt like I could actually share my voice more easily, you know, over time. And again, that's like, each time you do it, it gets a little bit easier, a little easier. And I started to feel more comfortable in my own body, more comfortable in my own skin. Um, and the, the biggest thing I think for me is like really learning to love myself fully, like all yeah. the parts of me and coming to a deep knowing that I actually have the power to be with everything that's within me. Like having gone through that experience, there is nothing, there's no emotion that I'm afraid of being with. There's no emotion that I feel is too big, no amount of grief that feels too big, no amount of rage that feels too big. I feel like I understand the human experience more fully. And I, it really opened up my heart to have a lot more compassion for people. Like a lot of the judgments faded away because I just felt really deeply connected to like human suffering and what we go through. Um, so, I mean, that's some of the things that totally. I think are pretty <laughs> beneficial. <Big>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I always say like when we can integrate and tap back into our wholeness, I mean, we make completely different decisions from being whole. And then it's like, everything is different because we can no longer operate from, from these 
all these parts being shut down. Yeah. That's a great point too. You know, also it's like from that place, we see all of our relationships starting to shift, you know, developing deeper intimacy with people because we're also not hiding ourselves from others. Yeah. And that's a question I have for you is what have your relationships been like since, you know, a big experience for people in breakups is just like, I'm doomed. This is just going to happen again sometimes, especially if we have like the kind of fear of the people we're choosing and have you had experiences of coming back into intimacy and, and what's come up for you if you're anything you're willing to share on that? Yeah. I mean, one of the areas that I started to really look at were my friendships right away. So I was like, okay, I want to actually develop deep intimacy in my friendships um, and really recognize that all of my relationships are sacred partnerships, not just this one relationship in a romantic capacity with somebody. And that was pretty revolutionary for me. Um, I'd always had like close relationships, but I didn't always look at my relationships like, like each one of them being this sacred, beautiful partnership um, and allowing myself to fully love and be loved in all of my relationships. So that's been a really beautiful thing that's um, opened up. But I think also, you know, as we heal from heartbreak, um, we're going to get opportunity after opportunity to um, see where we're really at and, and how we feel about ourselves. So I had a relationship, somebody that I had been seeing on and off for like six years before this breakup. And, um, he was definitely somebody who I had like a very deep soulmate connection to and would pop back up every once in a while and going through this breakup and all the healing that I went through, um, re and it was challenging, but it helped me see that I was able to, um, let go of something that I had hopes for or potential for, um, and really honor that I was fully worthy of this, um, deep knowing of a relationship that I aspire to have. So it was like, instead of having fear, um, or, uh, allowing myself to be swayed by the fear, I was like, no, I actually feel deep in my bones that there is a type of relationship, like deep intimacy, deep commitment with somebody who's fully emotionally available. And then I would have people show up in my life who weren't fully available. And then I had to learn how to say, no, this feels really good in a lot of ways, but like this thing, like you being emotionally available and ready to commit is a non-negotiable and I have to be willing to walk away. Um, and then the walking away, of course, is going to teach us our own things. Like the fear is going to come up and it's like that deep inner work of loving ourselves through it, affirming to ourselves that like we are, it's, it's okay for us to hold the position and, and wait, you know, until that right person shows up. Yeah, I love that because that speaks to, oh, if we do healing, then different the, the same things won't pop into our space, you know, mm-hmm. but I find that it kind of always shows up because it's so ingrained in us from our childhood and our patterns, and it's actually how we respond to them that's different. So. Absolutely. And then also, like, is our partner able to um, hold space for that part of us? Yes. So it doesn't mean that, like, if you meet somebody who's, you know, wonderful or whatever, it doesn't mean that everything's easy and great. No. It means that, like, you know, that person, you know, hopefully is somebody who's able to, like, sit, sit with you and, like, let you process your stuff in that container. Yeah, totally. I always say that once I met my current partner who is just 
amazing. I was like, oh, I was just, I didn't need to really change anything. I just needed to be with a different person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just let me be everything that I was, yes. you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, special. So um, I want to talk a little bit about creativity coming as a result of heartbreak. And um, this book you've said is like a download and it came to you. And I find that so fascinating. And I think that in breakups, we have so much grief, but we can also feel this charge of like, whoo, I'm free and like a lot of creative energy coming through. And I'm just curious, anything you have to say on that and what your thoughts are on that. So yeah, I love that question. Um, I've always been a very creative person and have used creativity just naturally as a way to, um, to move energy, you know, to heal. And I think that creativity is a really beautiful way to process heartbreak. Um, and so whatever way it looks like for somebody who's, you know, I actually also, um, opened up my body to like movement. I wasn't like doing classes, but I would just like start dancing in my room. Um, and my body was like, okay, like I want to move like this right now. And it was moving energy creatively that way. And I was writing and writing poetry. And, um, I think that that's obviously, uh, one of the things that I was doing during this time too, which is like reading, reading poetry, um, and listening to songs and, you know, throughout time, if you listen to the radio, like so many, um, really beautiful songs are about heartbreak and so many, so much amazing poetry is about heartbreak. It's about our pain. And I think that like, you know, since humans have been feeling and have been expressing ourselves, this is the way that we make sense of things. And, and ultimately, you know, heal, it's like through channeling that into something. Um, because ultimately what we're doing is, is moving energy. And so if you're able to um, channel some of the pain that you're feeling into some writing or um, a song, you know, even singing a song, somebody else's song or moving your body in a certain way, I think that can be uh, incredibly empowering. Totally. Yeah. I, I always say like these Instagram posts I would write when I was so heartbroken were like so beautiful and so good. And then, now it's like so much harder to write on Instagram. It's so true. It's like when you're happy, it's like, I don't, I don't even want to be on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, yeah. Well, I'm curious, you know, you've had a lot of space from this breakup and I'm just curious what you would say to yourself, to Michelle back then in those first coming days or weeks or months, like the wisdom you have for her now, you oh, know? That's such a sweet question. Um, you know, I still have a lot of tenderness for that, that part of me. Um, you know, the grief has been processed, but when I feel back into it, it was such a such a really potent time for me. Like, you know, I can see the room and like, you know, remember what the bedspread was like and all that stuff. And so, um, when I feel back into that time, I know deeply, you know, how heartbroken I was and how hopeless I felt and, um, and really terrified. I felt that I was never going to get out of that pain. You know, I really couldn't see out of it. So I think, <laughs> probably everything I wrote in my book would be um, what I would share. But I think the biggest thing is, is just the most simple words, which are just like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay for you to feel this. You're strong enough to feel it. 
there's the, I think I wrote this during that time. Um, and this, this tends to circle around on social media. Um, I wrote, you're strong enough to face it all, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's recognizing that in the times when it feels like this is never going to end, I'm never going to come out of it. This is the worst pain I've ever felt. And it feels unbearable and I don't know what to do. It's the, just being with it. Like just, I think I probably would go back and tell myself not to fight my own experience and just surrender to the pain. Yeah, totally. I love that. And it's a really brave thing to do that most people really try to avoid. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense though. We don't want to do it either. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, I have one more question before I ask you like rapid fire questions, okay. which is just like, your book is called The Bright Side of a Broken Heart. And we've talked a lot about the gifts of a heartbreak, but what do you feel like are like the key gifts that you gained from this heartbreak that you wrote about specifically, but all of them. And, um, you know, heartbreaks in my life have been such a gift too. And so I'm curious what you have to say on that. I think most of what we've talked about, like, you know, knowing fully who I am now, this, this past breakup has been, um, that the one I wrote about that, was the most um, revolutionary for me in recognizing the truth about who I am. Um, feeling compassion for humanity, for other people, and feeling more deeply connected to the human experience. You know, like I think probably before that, I sort of maybe separated myself in certain ways and was definitely way more in my head. So also, um, being more connected to my heart, being more connected to my intuition, my soul, like really um, knowing that I'm here to serve. This is my own personal journey. You know, I, I always felt that I was here to serve and, and support people. And through, um, through processing all of this, I gained a lot of wisdom. I gained a lot of wisdom through just being with my pain day in and day out over and over and over again and going all the way to the bottom of it. Um, and, and now I'm able to help people get through that time. And that feels like one of the biggest gifts I ever could get because I would have loved more than anything to have had somebody who specifically had gone through heartbreak. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I actually published the book. Cause I was like, this is actually going to be its own little life that's birthed into the world. And you know, I'm not going through that experience anymore, but the, the book has this transmission and people can read it, you know, when they're going through that and feel um, some solace that somebody understands. Like I was desperate to connect to anybody who understood what I was feeling. Um, and it was really, you know, of course there were people, we've all gone through some level of heartbreak and, um, and it was challenging though, I think, because sometimes when people heal or maybe don't fully process their heartbreak, like you were saying in the beginning, it was challenging for me to find anybody who like really got the depth of how much yeah. pain I was really in. Um, and that was ultimately because it wasn't just about the breakup. It was actually about everything else. Yeah. So I think it's just been a really beautiful gift to be able to recognize that heartbreak. It's not just about a relationship. It's about yes. everything that's going on with a particular person. Yes. And there's a reason if one certain heartbreak feels so catastrophic and so huge and is a catalyst for all these other emotions that maybe couldn't have been felt by being in the relationship. Absolutely. So I thought of one more question before the rapid fire, which is just, 
you know, I think I think you write a lot about not rushing your healing. And um, in the book, it's there's one quote about like just getting back out there and like putting a bandaid on your pain and like almost bypassing, which I think is a lot of people's experience. Like, oh, if I just go on another date or if I just just get myself back out there. And we touched on that a little bit, but could you just talk about not rushing our healing and it takes the time it takes and yeah. 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 I think it's one of the hardest things when we're in pain because it's so uncomfortable, you know? Um, I, I felt like for me, I had no choice. Like I couldn't, I literally could not rush it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not bypass. I couldn't do anything to numb out because that just was the experience that I was having. To me, it was like spirit saying like, all right, like these are all the lessons you're learning. And this is like your groundwork for everything that you're going to be, um, you know, teaching and, and helping people with later. But I think for, for anybody, it's really easy to want to just like, yeah, I mean, the thing I talk about the most with people going through breaks up, breakups is like jumping back on, on dating apps or mm-hmm. just jumping, even also like texting like exes and things like that. I mean, ultimately it's each person's decision, um, you know, what they want to confront within themselves and their lives. And I think about it in terms of like, you know, do I want to deal with it now or do I want to deal with it later? we're not processing our pain, um, it's still within us, you know, we're carrying it around. We're not facing the truth within ourselves. Again, that truth is still alive within us and the pain from ignoring it, um, I think gets greater and greater. Um, and, and then you have to maybe numb out even more. Um, but I think like, you know, the, the not rushing our healing, one of the most challenging things when you're experiencing grief is this feeling um, of like sadness being so big. I, I often talk about it um, like it's the ocean with no bottom. You know, it just yeah. feels like you're just sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into like a, a pit and you're never going to get out of it. And a lot of the work that I'll do when I work with people one-on-one is like, is like talk them through, um, you know, when I'm facilitating breath work, like this is safe to be in. And then it's basically like a wave is crashing over you and then it, it lessens and then yeah. you pay attention to the fact that it's like, you're, you have to teach yourself how to actually be with your own pain. Um, and then as you're doing that over time, you start to recognize like, oh, I can actually be with this. Like I have the strength to be with this. Um, and then there's the added layer of like, well, it's been a month or it's been six months or it's been a year and I'm still feeling this pain. Like mm-hmm. there must be something wrong with me. So it will teach you about the beliefs that you carry. You know, I have yeah. the big belief that there was something wrong with me. Like I shouldn't be this sad. I should be over this person by now. Um, you know, I should be in a new relationship. I had all these timelines and things for myself and yeah. I had to keep pushing past them and like, Oh, I'm still single. Um, by the way, I'm still single. It's four, it's been four years later. And, and you know, there were all of these beautiful lessons that came through, you know, each, each year, each, you know, period of time that I moved past this idea of what I thought my life was supposed to, to be like, or look like. So I think the more that we can, um, honor the timeline for ourselves and not compare ourselves to other people's journeys, um, the, the better our lives are ultimately going to be like, that's something that we actually have control over and we create a lot of suffering for ourselves. Yeah, totally. I love, someone told me that like, be conscious of when you're healing so that, so like, so that something happens or so that a new relation come relationship comes or so that I'll find a new kind of person or, 
whatever the so that is. So yeah. And I loved just your analogy of like going with that wave. And I talk about pain and depression, really difficult feelings, often feeling like a windowless, windowless room, like a doorless room. There's no way out. And we, when you keep trying to search for a window, it's like it, it doesn't work and we have to just accept that there isn't one and then suddenly like a tiny little window yes. <laughs> will like show through just when you're finally like i'm gonna be here forever you yeah. know that's yeah. exactly how it works yep <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately yeah <laughs> um cool so yeah and now i just want to ask you some like rapid fire questions sure. semi rapid fire you can okay. like doability like whatever pace feels good for you. Um, (laughs) So what's your favorite way to feel your feelings? Oh, breath work. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. If you were to do any job other than what you're doing, what would that job be? I love that question. Um, I do a lot of different things. I'm not just a breath work facilitator. (laughs) I'm a writer. Um, But yeah, I think I probably would do something more with my hands. Like I always... Um, love the idea of like woodworking mm-hmm. and and getting to know wood more intimately. Um, that sounds a little weird. No, it does. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, anything like creative, you know? I think yeah, working with wood would be really cool. Um, I think also I would love to like just work with plants more. Like mm-hmm. there's only so much time that I have, like things that I'm able to do, but I, I think probably just working with the earth in some way. Cool. I love that. When do you feel the most alive? When I'm being creative, when yeah. I'm expressing myself creatively or when I'm like um, teaching or, or leading a group. Cool. If someone were to come to you and ask, how do I feel better? what would you say to them? Um, I would tell them to turn towards what you're trying to um, find relief from and um, turn towards that part of yourself with open arms. Mm, I love that. So Michelle, where can we find your work and where can they get this book and just tell us all the things about working with you and if you have anything exciting coming up or any places that you'd like the listeners to go. Yeah. Um, So my brand's called Pushing Beauty. You can find all of my work at pushingbeauty.com. My book is uh, on a little tab called The Book on pushingbeauty.com. You can also get my book on Amazon. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of finishing up this course called reclamation, which is really going to be about, um, learning how to go inward and reclaim all the lost parts of yourself, um, which is going to be a self-study video series. It will be launching in April. Um, and yeah, I'm a breathwork facilitator and I work with people who are going through any type of processing their pain. So I have a bunch of, you know, meditations on my website, breathwork meditations, and I do some one-on-one work in some groups as well. Cool. Thanks so much, Michelle, for being here. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of How to Feel. If you want to stay updated on the release of future episodes, go ahead and subscribe. And if you like the podcast, I would so appreciate a review. 
For all other information about my work, about upcoming events, about the podcast, you can head to www.anastasiaholland.com and also come hang out with me on Instagram at Anastasia Holland. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it and I hope you have a great week.